0: Screen Time
1: with John Fardy. This is News Talk.
2: Hello, and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show, Peter Coonan, aka Fran from Love Hate, on his new psychological island set thriller, Dinnin. Mark Ryle reviews Bono and Sing 2 and Pedro Almodovar's latest offering, Parallel Women. Actress and comedian Norma Sheehan chats to me about her favourite movie. Plus, your chance to win Dune on DVD. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all. Hope you've had a safe week of eased restrictions or disappeared restrictions. Restrictions uh, and a safe one, but a pleasant one. I went to a swimming pool for the first time in two years, I guess, with uh, the family. And there was just this kind of lovely feeling in the air, like strangers were kind of smiling at each other, you know? Just there was a collective sense in the swimming pool I was in of, ah. So I hope maybe you got to experience some of that this week. Now, in TV, I was watching a cracker.
0: The job has ruined me. I want to be normal. It's it's still
3: there. Hmm? What's still there? It's such important work.
0: I don't think it is. I think it's whack-a-mole. Except the moles were trackies.
2: Yes, and that is the great Martin Freeman. In a kind of rather oblique clip there it was all i could find but it's from a tv show that was on bbc one on monday night and on tuesday night at nine o'clock called the responder and in it martin freeman plays a cop on the mean streets of liverpool and they are pretty mean as presented in this and it's written by a former policeman and Martin Freeman is a cop he's a responder in the sense that he's going out to calls on night shifts to all sorts of things from disputes you might imagine to drug deals to just general down downed heelness in a busy urban centre. And he's a very troubled guy and in he's incredibly troubled. He's haunted by all sorts of things. Some things you're not even sure of. He seems to have a strange relationship going back a long time with a big drug dealer and as the show unfolds a girl who's a criminal is in trouble and he's caught with trying to possibly save her and help her but also do the right thing. He's I was going to say he's an anti-hero in it, but it's even more complex than that. Martin Freeman, who we know as a great actor, is absolutely amazing in this. He is so edgy, twitchy, troubled, uh, yet compelling to watch. Uh, He's a cop not playing by the rules. Now, we've seen that before, but not quite in this fashion. This was truly... Remarkable. I can't quite overstate it to you how taken I was. The second episode was on Tuesday night and it upped the level. Uh, It got even more dramatic. It was absolutely brilliant. The responder on BBC One. Now we're back to this problem again where it's not on the BBC. Well, it is on the BBC iPlayer, but we don't have that in Ireland. So someone give it to us, please. I beg of you. Uh, I watched it on both consecutive nights. Now, I still think if you want to catch it next Monday on BBC, just starting the third episode. You know enough from what I've told you. Ring me and I'll tell you the rest. Well, maybe don't do that, but read a review of it or something. But I'd still dive in, even on episode three, because it's absolutely fantastic and edgier seat stuff. But the acting, particularly by Martin Freeman, is immense and amazing and I'm telling you now, folks, he's winning a BAFTA for this and any other TV awards without question. That's The Responder on BBC One on Monday nights. It's a five-parter. There's three left. Let me Do let me know if you might have seen it. John underscore Farty, or you can email me screentime at newstalk.com. Now, we have a great competition for you this week. We have five copies of Dune to give away. The highly critically acclaimed movie from late last year, Starring Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson Probably know it's directed by Denis Villeneuve And it's based on the famous science fiction novel by Frank Herbert That was filmed by David Lynch back in the 80s and it was a disaster This was, as I say, hailed by the critics Mark Ryle gave it for a very popular movie from last year Timothy Chalamet's in it as well, did I mention that? I did Uh, We have five copies of the DVD to give away And also some goodie bags with those DVDs, which include water bottle, a beanie hat, face masks, Dune face masks. Imagine how cool you'd look wearing a Dune face mask. And there's also a a tie-in novel with it as well. So that's a great prize. If you'd like to be in with a chance of winning, simply text the word DUNE, D-U-N-E, to 53106. And Marie Kane will pick a winner. You can also email us. Email the word DUNE. To screen time at newstalk.com when we'll be in touch with the five lucky winners. Now we turn to the week's new cinema releases, and this week we are looking at, I suppose, the much or small amount much anticipated Sing Two and also. Pedro Almodovar's new movie, Parallel Women. I'm joined now by our regular resident critic, Mark Ryle. I got an email during the week from a fan of the show who said, uh, I love your bits with Mark Ryle. So, uh, Mark, thanks for bringing your bits. I love your bits too.
0: I I didn't think my mother knew how to use a computer.
2: Boom, boom. Ow. Okay. So Sing 2, I mentioned it was much anticipated because I suppose there's an Irish (laughs) dimension in that. Uh, Bono voices one of the cast and also gives a song to the soundtrack. Uh, well, two actually, but a brand new song. And I suppose the first one was was quite well received. So, what's happening in Sing Two?
0: Yeah, um, I, I think we might we might have d- a difference of opinion on this, and I think it might be to do with uh, who we watched it with.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if the difference is as wide as I might have led you to believe
0: earlier. Right. In the week, But anyway, okay. continue. Yeah, okay, so it's the sequel to Garth Jennings' uh, 2016 animated movie about anthropomorphic animals and amateur musical theatre. So in this sequel, as in the original, Matthew McConaughey voices a talking koala called Buster Moon, and Buster runs a small town theatre, but he wants to show off his, his work and his talented cast on a bigger stage. So they all go off on a bus to some Las Vegas-type place for an X-Factor-type audition in front of a Simon Cowell-type producer called Jimmy Crystal. And um, Jimmy Crystal agrees to stage Buster's new musical if he can get a reclusive lion called Clay Calloway to star in it. And obstacles are overcome, lessons are learned, and we all grow just a little bit. So, Clay Calloway, he's
2: the character voiced by Bono. Uh, the kind of Simon Cowell type is Bobby... Uh, it's, uh,
0: Bob, Bobby Cannavale, yeah. Yeah,
2: who, who, whose voice I liked it, I have to say. And it has a huge mm-hmm. voice, because Reese Witherspoon is in it, uh, Pharrell, Matthew McConaughey, as you mentioned. I'm sensing you didn't warm to this.
0: Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I, I know it sounds, you know overly grumpy and unfair to be criticizing an animated kids movie for 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 not being smarter or sharper but i think that this is very weak sauce um it's from illumination who also brought us um despicable me and minions so on the one hand i suppose they are to be they deserve some credit for for going with an original story i mean this is a sequel but sing was a, an original story it's not relying on despicable me and minion spin-offs over and over mm. but on the other hand I think sing sing and this sequel they are rubbish. Um, did you not
2: like the first one?
0: no, I didn't okay <laughs> um I didn't I, I think the thing about despicable me and minions is that they're they're smart and they're funny and they have cross generational appeal, and there's something there for everybody um I think with sing 2, the older you are, the less you're going to get out of it and uh to be perfectly honest, I didn't find it that it was a movie that was meant to be watched. It's more of the kind of thing that you'd you'd stick on the tablet while you were trying to feed a toddler some something mushy. And <laughs> I don't think I don't think older kids are going to. I think they're going to struggle with this. It also seems like a very weird time to be releasing something like this because, as far as I know, the kids aren't even on midterm yet.
2: Yeah, I think it might be the COVID traffic jam of movies that yeah, were made. You know, I probably. think that's part of it. Well, listen, I. But maybe we had a conversation earlier in the week. But maybe I, I took you down a different alley. I liked the first one, Sing, because I thought it was quite inventive and a bit different. I wasn't wild on this one, and my kids, yeah. two of the three, watched it with me, and they're nine and six, and they weren't wild on it either. Uh, because I I've made this point: ad nauseum a, a kid, a movie that's good for kids will often be good for adults, and vice versa. And this wasn't great for either of us. Now, there's a couple yeah. of caveats. I like I did enjoy. The music. What I like about the music in this is it's modern contemporary music. So you have Coldplay songs and it's nicer. It doesn't turn into, you know, HMS Pinafore and stuff like that. So I like that. I thought the animation looks great, but the Mm. story just lacked kind of soul, I guess. Like this idea that they're going to go off and do this show and they do this mad show and then they get. Clay Calloway out of retirement. It just didn't really hang together. Now, one other caveat that I did like, I did kind of like the Bono character in it. I liked him singing towards the end. I also liked when you looked at him up close, he looked like Bono. And I liked the song they used, uh Your Song Save My Life, that I think they wrote, especially for the movie. All those caveats notwithstanding, I yeah, it just didn't it didn't grab me. It wasn't delightful, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 like The characters just aren't appealing really uh, my my problem with this uh, th- this sequel and, and also the original movie is that essentially it has one big idea and that big idea is singing animals uh, as though we haven't had singing cartoon animals for, for close to the last hundred years um, Gar- Garth Jennings seems to think that singing animals is enough, and it's it's just not. Um, you've got like you know you've got the music licensing. It's a it's a it just stuff is thrown at the screen, and there's this, like a, a snippet of this and a snippet of that. It's a bit like sitting with somebody who's watching TV, and with uh, they won't stop switching channels, or somebody who's yeah. listening to an album, but only listening to three seconds of every song. Um, it, but uh, it's just. You know, it's all just, what if we had an elephant singing um, uh, that Billie Eilish song, or a cow Mm. singing Aerosmith, or a pig singing Prince? I mean, that's the joke, end Mm. of. And uh, I swear to you, by the time, uh, what's his name, Taron Egerton, he he showed up singing Coldplay, I I swear I'd lost the will to live.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say it's too frenetic in its storytelling, but I think it's just too not good in its storytelling. There's no clear narrative, really.
0: There's not. It's just. It's bright and it's loud and it's garish and it is. It's frenetic. It's a bit like uh, the mass singer combined with with ADD, which is which is really saying something. And as I said, stuff is just thrown at the screen, and it doesn't matter if it sticks or not because here's some more stuff, you know. Mm. And uh, the, the, the characters they're not they're not appealing really in the slightest. And you know, at a certain point, there's so much of this stuff. And I suppose like The Masked Singer, you just start playing uh, spot the voice. Who's the pig? Oh, it's Mm. Reese Witherspoon. Who's under the lion mask? Oh, it's Bono, you know?
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think we're on similar pages. I mean, if you want a a recent movie with talking animals, whatever about singing one, Zootropolis Mm. is the way you make a kid's movie with talking animals.
0: That was around the same time as, I think the original movie, Sing was out around 2016 and Zootropolis was out around the same time. Zootropolis is funny. Mm, you know, yeah. I'm not being, I'm not being snooty, and uh, I know you because I, I, I like a good animated movie as as much as as anybody. But this is not, this is not a good animated movie. No,
2: I know, th- and there's no way to square that. Did you like Bono as as the lion?
0: Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> Okie I mean, I'm not sure what, usually people do these things and say, oh, you know, my kids are at the age where they, they like stuff yeah. like this. I don't think Bono is in that position. I'm not sure what. And like, I, I, I anyway, carry on.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what his motivation was, but look, I, I don't know him from Adam or from a talking <laughs> lion. So what would you say stars wise for Sing 2?
0: I, I think it's it's really appalling. I'm going to give it a one.
2: Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna give it a two. I, I, I like the music. Uh yeah. but I agree with what you're saying about you know, this is something you might put on for a toddler because kids yeah. are smart and yeah. my six year old she wasn't into it, you know. No. So that's kind of a damning indictment. Not I that don't I'm placing her. her views above yours,
0: you know. No, 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 no. Unfortunately I was watching it on my own like a weirdo. <laughs> At least <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh dear, well let's take a quick clip of Sing 2.
3: If you could just give me some dance lessons, you would literally be saving my life. Wait, if you're on a real show, how come you don't have a choreographer? I do,
2: but it turns out he's a massive weirdo.
3: <coughs> and how do I know that you're not a weirdo, hm? How do I know that you're legit? Would well, you come with me to rehearsal, see for yourself. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: I'm not just gonna follow some guy I don't know to rehearsal. Well, how else am I supposed to prove that I'm legit? Confession, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've been shaking. I love it when you go crazy. You take all my energy. Baby, there's nothing holding me back. You take me places that have my reputation, manipulate my decisions. Baby, there's nothing holding me
3: back. I knew you were a waiter.
2: Yes, a clip of Sing too there, which was disappointing according to me and particularly according to Mark. Now, the other movie, uh, a very different movie, is from Pedro Almodovar, Parallel Women. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see this, but Mark did. So, Mark, what's going on in Parallel Women?
0: If you can believe it, this is Pedro Almodovar's uh, 22nd feature. and um, Wow. It is also his, his, I think it's his seventh movie with Penelope Cruz. And, yes, uh, In Parallel Mothers, Cruz plays, she plays Janice. She's a very successful Madrid-based fashion photographer. And early on, uh, Janice sleeps with one of her subjects and she falls pregnant. But he's married and he doesn't stick around. But as Janice is closing in on 40, she sees this as her last chance of having a child. Uh, Cut to nine months later in the maternity ward and she befriends uh, a teenager called Anna who's also about to give birth. And the two mothers promise to stay in touch with each other after leaving hospital. But I suppose life takes over and Janice has her hands full with her newborn daughter. Then the story takes a few unexpected turns that it would be very wrong of me to talk about. Then more turns are added on top of those. But, um, i just, it, in a nutshell, it is, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable story, but it's, it's very well done.
2: Um. Well, I, it, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there may be an element of body swap in it. Is that fair to say?
0: There's, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to really talk. I, I, I want to talk around this stuff. Ron, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, okay. You, can ahead and, you go ahead, John, even though so, you didn't well, even well, see it.
2: Well, I haven't seen it, so I can't really ruin it unless I you know, go onto Wikipedia and read out the plot to you. Okay, but I, I get what you're saying. You don't want to give stuff away. and that's It's no. very admirable. Is this a well-told story?
0: it is it's it's a it's a it's a really good movie it's a it's a small movie that i suppose looks at big issues um it it looks at where we come from, where we're going, and ultimately who we want to be buried with, and where we want to be buried. <laughs> um, wow. And it's almost it, it's, <laughs> he's
2: saying everything and nothing about this movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's almost structured like a movie within a movie because it's bookended by this plot that's uh, that that's about Janice's great grandfather who was he was murdered during the Spanish Civil War and he was buried in a mass grave and and Janice is trying to have this grave um, exhumed. Um, And that could be an entire movie by itself. But uh, this it's not a movie about Janice's great grandfather or indeed fathers at all, because parallel mothers, it's more of a, a feminine experience. And the meat and bones, if you like, of the story is about Janice and her child. And it's about the bond of motherhood and, you know, carrying on a proud family line that reaches back to her ancestors. So. That is the crux of it. But then Almodovar, he he kind of picks at these various strands of the story and he opens up these new corridors. And some of these lead somewhere substantial and and satisfying. And then others lead down some kind of inconsequential dead ends, which makes you wonder, what was that supposed to lead to? But it is never boring. And I suppose if this was a, a thriller, those dead ends would be called red herrings and we would be praising them.
2: Yeah. Okay. This really is a spoiler free free review. Tell me this, uh, like Pedro Almodovar. I, I I'm always curious, and I will watch this eventually to see what he does. Twenty two movies. You're not going to like them all. Well, I certainly don't. Some of them I scratch my head with. Some yeah, of them yeah. I you know I, I know were fantastic. Like Talk to Her was a well. I was going to say recent. It's a old now, but I I love that one. But is this? Uh, I suppose with twenty two movies, it's hard to say trademark Almodovar. But where does it sit in his canon? Go?
0: kind of it it's i would describe it as late period almodovar um so the tone is much more somber compared i suppose to his earlier stuff mm. if you i mean if you're looking for laughs you'll be disappointed right uh, he can sometimes tend towards high farce yeah you know and uh, yeah, that's 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 fine he's kind of his the last couple of movies are kind of more more somber in tone um i think some of the twists and turns here uh, wouldn't be out of place in a soap opera. So okay. while there are certainly melodramatic aspects of this story, the, I think the execution is very uh, organic and, and restrained, certainly for Al- Almodovar, you know. Um, okay. He's, he's not really known for restraint sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cruz, I have to say, is she's, she's fantastic. She's on screen an awful lot by herself, which means that she has to express a lot without having anyone else to, to play off, which is a very difficult thing to do. And uh, Janice, her character, it's an odd role. She's not a straightforward character, and her actions and interiority, I suppose, they're not easy to understand. So I, I think it says a lot about Cruz's skill as an actor that she never loses uh, our empathy, if you like. And I don't think you could watch this and not feel um, compassion for Janice even though she's not always entirely sympathetic
2: okay well that sounds intriguing and you've been scant on the plot details but you have as you said talked around it in a in a fine fashion so I'm intrigued I really am so what would you say stars wise
0: um I'm going to give it three and a half. half
2: three and a half you're not edging to a four no
0: no I think three and a half <laughs> is I mean it's 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 above average it's a it's a it's a great it's a good watch
2: Okay, good. I feel like I'm at Sotheby's here. Am I bid four? But no, you're you're sticking (laughs) with three and a half. Okay, very good. Now, I should mention both these movies are available in the cinema to watch as of the 28th of January this Friday. That's Sing 2 and then The Intriguing Parallel Women by the great Pedro Almodovar also in cinemas from the 28th of January. Mark, you brought your best bits. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, John. I'll talk to you next week.
2: Up next, actor Peter Coonan on his dark psychological thriller Set on an Island. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. I'm John Fardy. Now before the break we were talking about the week's new releases in the cinema. Another new release this week on Friday the 28th of January is the Irish language movie Dinian, which tells the story of the disappearance of a woman and her baby on a remote Irish island. Her husband, played by Peter Coonan, must put his trust in the island's retired policewoman played by Breed Brennan to help find his family before a storm sets in the wife is played by Claire monolith star of Moonboy of course and He's an investigative journalist, and he leaves the island one day to meet a client, so to speak, and then he comes back, and wife and child are missing. Now, it's a real strange movie, an unusual movie, in that it took me in a place I didn't think it was going to. Uh, Very interesting movie. It's in the Irish language, and there seems to be a bit of a renaissance, or... or (laughs) Maybe there never was a renaissance is the wrong word, but there seems to be more Irish movies coming to screen now. Uh, And Peter Coonan, as I say, plays the father in question. Peter Coonan, of course, was Fran in Love, Hate, but he's done so much more since then in movies and TV. He was great in the Irish movie from a few years ago, Dark Lies, The Island. Recently, you would have seen him in Hidden Assets, a fine, fine actor. And I got to talk to him about his new movie, Dinian, and of course, Love, Hate, and a lot more besides. So Peter, I sat down to watch the movie without knowing what it was about. Sometimes I like to do that if I can manage it, not not listen to what anyone said or, 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 or just not read up on it and figure out what I thought of it as I watched it, you know? And I was yeah. surprised by... I just thought it was very unusual in that it began in a certain way. I thought maybe it was kind of a psychological drama, kitchen sink kind of thing. And then it dovetails into something quite different. And it's an unusual movie. And my wife watched it with me as well. And she had the same sensation. Is that what spoke to you when you got the script, that this was a slice of something maybe you hadn't done before? It was certainly different.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, initially I, I read it in in English before it was translated. And immediately I got a sense of an early Coen Brothers film from wow, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in that the characters were so well drawn out and especially the character the breed uh, ultimately played just seemed so, so multi-layered and and all these, these, these misconceptions or preconceptions that you would have of, of various people in certain scenarios. You know, never underestimate anyone. I mean, mm. this is a this is a, an aging policewoman working on an island who's been dragged into something, and immediately from my character's point of view, your your preconception is that is she, is she up to the game? Is she up to kind of solving the 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 um the case of of missing family members, which isn't spoiling too much by giving that away. No, but ultimately as well, I mean, then when it was translated into Irish, and I was knew it was going to be done, Asquela, it was something that I was i Have always I've I've done a few Irish language films, but uh, I, this was something completely different in that it was a thriller, a yeah. kind of a movie uh, as opposed to a film, uh, and something that you would sit down in in a, in a cinema with, with popcorn and uh, a drink and just you know be enthralled by it from from, yeah. on, from from beginning to end, and it kind of moves along like that, and it was it was. Yeah, and it was from a character point of view. Then it was it was it was completely something uh, different uh, to what I played before, um, and obviously you know uh, breed to, to to do a lot of it in front of breed Brennan then. The two other, uh, Claire Manley and, and Sean T. O'Malley are wonderful as well. But obviously watching Breed grow up both on stage and on film, you know, she's mm. um, a stalwart. So there was many there was many um, reasons for doing it. Uh, but initially the script just rang through. It was just I was I was enthralled by it. and I could see the images come into my head as I was sitting there reading it. And I was like, I kind of wished and hoped that I could get involved.
2: Yeah, that's a very good phrase. It's a movie uh, as opposed to a film. I I might steal that off you down the line because it's a good one. It's a good one. It's funny you talk about it. You read it in English. You were in a movie last year called Iraq. And I spoke to Tom Sullivan uh, about it at the time. And I was really surprised with the Irish thing. Cause I'm one of those, you know, and it's a tragedy of, of so many people that we've leaving Sir Irish, but we know very little of it, or at least we think we do. Because when I watched Iraq and when I watched this, you're surprised by how much of it you still understand, you know? Uh, and, and when I was just researching about you again this morning, I read a bit about the movie and I'd actually forgotten it was in Irish. So I, I guess that's a very good thing that what I'd be saying to people is, you know, and I mean this in the best possible sense, don't let the Irish thing be a barrier. Of course we need to celebrate Irish, but in terms of the understanding of it, I think movies, they, they make us realize we know more Irish than we think we do. What's your sense of that?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, and also, I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. That just happens to be in Irish, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. It's it's the idea of kind of go go check the movie out as a good movie, yeah. And not that it's a movie in Irish. You know, yeah. it, it stands alone by itself, regardless of the fact that it is in Irish. Yeah. Um, but I think I mean I think that's you're asking a question about that we understand a lot more from it. I think that both goes down to both the writing and the storytelling. Sure that they're, they're so clear and precise yeah. in, in how they've gone about telling their story that we come away understanding what they're trying to evoke or what they're trying to explain or the, the, you know the world they're trying to inhabit for those uh, 90 to 100 minutes or whatever it may be. So I think it really it really is a compliment to, to the directors and, and the writers of the piece.
2: Yeah, I know. Absolutely. You there's a there's a scene in it and I'm not giving spoilers, but you get very menacing at one point. And I mentioned to you, I watched it with my wife. And again, this isn't to do you a disservice because you have a whole range of abilities as an actor, but you do menace very very well Uh, and you're scary in this you really are and i was thinking of you in there's a particular scene in dark lies the island where you scared me a couple of years ago Uh, you know you could use the Lawrence olivia thing it's called acting dear boy right but do you have a sense that you can do menace and threatening very very well i presume people have said that to you before have they
1: yeah, I suppose they have, yeah, I suppose they have. It's kind of, uh, I don't know where it comes from or how it happens, but it's just, it just seems to be something that I'm able to uh, excavate um,
2: yeah.
1: well enough. Um, but I mean, the, the, the menace in this is connected to the idea of, of a missing child. Um, mm. And when myself and Damien were, were talking through the character, um, I remember relaying to him a story there's a scene in the film and I'm not giving too much away when you come in and you, 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 your family disappeared and your son is missing mm-hmm. and I, I, I'm a father of, of, of children and I've, I've had that moment in the house where you're minding one child and you, you, you go upstairs to get something or you put something in the wash and you come back downstairs and I had a moment where I looked in the living room nothing I looked out the back and I saw nothing and literally I remember that moment of where your whole, your body becomes hollow. You know, you're just a shell for, for for the emptiness that's going on because the panic ensues and your your brain just, you can't even function, you're shaking. And now my daughter had managed to find the one part in the garden that you can't see. She was only 18 months. So that fear initially, and I remember talking through that scene and talking through the idea. And that's one of the things that really stood out for me and to, to, to connect with the character. But, you know, if you're put into a situation like that, you, you know, no bounds, there are no bounds mm. to which you would go to try and find the child or to get them back. So
2: mm.
1: sometimes it, you connect it with that fear. yeah. Um, and that was that was the strongest connection that I had to that is, is, is how far would a, would a parent go to get their child back?
2: Yeah, I'm just reminded of, I have three kids myself and the middle child hiding behind a curtain one day, and we couldn't find him for about five minutes, and you're right, it is the most spine-tingling feeling Uh, Uh, you can, it's just, yeah, so uh, I I hear you, yeah, absolutely. Tell me this, uh, you know, lockdown has been a a strange time for actors, uh, for for all sorts of people, but, but actors as well. And we got to work, you you stopped working. I was talking to your co-star in Hidden Assets, Simone Kirby, uh, I was going to say earlier this year, but it was late last year at this stage. And she was talking about you guys quarantining in Belgium before you could, before you could actually get to film and stuff. Last year, like you worked, you worked plenty, but it was it was a strange working life, I imagine. Last year,
1: yeah, it was it was quite bizarre. I think I think I counted it up. I think I spent nearly eight weeks in in various uh, quarantine or isolation, mainly quarantine just before shooting or after shooting or arriving home. Wow, uh, sometimes which, in foreign countries. Sometimes in foreign countries, yeah. which obviously my, my better half would, would chop her left <laughs> arm to have been in those positions at times, you know? <laughs> uh, so I didn't really, it wasn't, it wasn't a poor me situation um, a lot of the time. But certainly with the, with the hidden asset situation, it was quite strange because I was at the isolate for 10 days in Antwerp
2: yeah. to,
1: shoot, to shoot two scenes wow and they were they were both quite uh, intense scenes they're kind of if you've seen the show it's, yeah. you know, it's at the end uh, before um, when when fionn is kind of in a very heightened state so i had basically 9 days in a in a studio apartment or apartment uh, with a kitchenette you know preparing for these two scenes that were highly intense and in some ways it was kind of a perfect storm because you know no better scenario or atmosphere to, to create isolation or create fear or create an idea of being alone and no one can help you and being yeah. abandoned feeling abandoned then in a room so you know every day i'd have a half an hour with the curtains closed and just kind of trying to create that film that 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 idea of of, of just emptiness and fear and you know panic so um but still at the same time it's quite bizarre that you're you know in, in other countries um sitting in a room for nine days just kind of <laughs> of re- reading her book and doing a few star jumps
2: <laughs> it's quite the image listen i take you back a couple of years there's a movie of yours that i really enjoyed and and reminded me of kind of my own dissolute 20s uh and that was get up and go uh you you with and scott and and, and you you know, your girlfriend in the movie is pregnant and you're thinking of leaving and Killian's a burgeoning comedian and you might be the two greatest musicians and comedians to ever come out of Ireland or it might all fall flat. I had a real sweet spot for that movie. Do you have particular fond memories that I, I love the way Dublin looked in it as well? I remember it's like six years ago at this stage, I think.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's even I think it might even be seven, if not. Okay.
2: Eight. That's a, my calendar's gone to pieces.
1: Yeah, who hasn't? We've lost two years, you know, so that that's 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 normal. Our calculations are off. But um, yeah, I do. I mean, that was that was Brendan Grant, uh, a great director mm. and writer. Um, yeah, that was I I it was kind of the first time that I had seen Dublin uh in, in the way that yeah. Brendan had seen us. But he came from an artistic background, he studied art himself and pal of his who was working on the, the film as well. So he's he had seen a different part of Dublin to to most of us. And I think that was the kind of that was the um, that was the love that was the the beauty that we saw in the movie. Yeah. And but it was it was a very collaborative piece. It was very naturalistic I suppose the kind of idea was just breaking it down to a friendship and working with Killian who I'd worked with previously was was a joy to do. Um mm. But it was, yeah, I mean, geez, that, that's so, so long ago. Yeah. I mean, it was quite connect, connected to people that we all knew growing up. Yeah. You know, people who I knew at the time. So I remember that was kind of a hard thing that I'd done because previous to that I'd always played kind of characters who were kind yeah. of a bit more far removed from me. Yeah. And sometimes they were easier to inhabit because you could walk down the street and kind of watch someone that was you know a bit like Fran or a bit like Dots or something like that that I could kind of really kind of scope out for a while and you know hang around and watch but with this character it was kind of closer to me which sometimes you have to find something that is connected to you but also separate from you to do so I think that was that was an intriguing one um, yeah. but yeah I was happy with the outcome and the music and everything and it was yeah. great
2: I think there's kind of a cult classic status to it that might build over, over a few years. You know, I've I have a sweet spot for that movie. Uh, I'm glad. Regardless of what happens to it. Listen, uh just by way of closing, you know, I was here's a name drop I was talking to Ricky Gervais last week and there comes a moment in it where you bring up the office you know and you're afraid he's going to groan with you there's probably that moment when it comes to love hate you know You, I feel kind of honour bound to mention it because I'm talking to you and you've done so many other things since that and, and I'm sure in your head part of you goes why is this guy or this woman bringing up love hate to me again I don't know are you, are you surprised by the longevity that that show can continues to have, that it's still and it was rediscovered again, you know, we we're talking about lockdown. I mean, I guess I'm asking are you tired talking about it or are you still so proud of it that it's okay that I ask you about it?
1: No, I think given given the context of the chat <laughs> I think it, it's completely uh, acceptable for you to mention love-hate. Um, but no, I'm still, I mean I'm, I'm still, complete, when I think about it even you know, I, I kind of get belly fluts and mm. little like bits of excitement in my body because you know it's it's ultimately it gave first of all it it gave me the opportunity to play a character which was just a gift for an actor you know what i mean i grew grew up watching like scorsese movies and yeah like thinking i was always the one that was looking at pesci going you know i was i didn't henry hill great i loved him all that story but you know pesci was the one you know yeah i was like and so for me to get fran at that time i was like this is this is a dream come true and you you don't even realize it at the time looking back in hindsight is when you really go god i was so blessed at the time it was just you were just working and you're working with people who were of the same mindset it was just a perfect timing of, of brilliant actors and writers and um and everyone behind the scenes it was just a ma- magic energy to mm. the to the set and uh um so yeah i mean if it, it's yeah it's it's something that i'm ultimately massively proud of and i'm still in contact with Stuart and david and i've worked with them since
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh I, I i can't i i actually don't believe how it's still so it struck as eye, guys, but it still manages to be ever-present, Yeah, and especially since lockdown. I mean, it's back on TV again at 1 o'clock at night. So there's obviously a demand for it, you know, at all times. And I've got <laughs> new, new generations of people yeah. who are coming up to me. I was in the shop recently, a, a young guy, uh, 21. And, I mean, it makes you feel a little bit old, but he's like, oh, man, I just, I just like, my folks turned me on to love hate recently and i i just started watching it and it's great like you know and you're like jesus you know that's 15 years between us and like yeah. t- 10 years since it finished and um, there's a new generation who are enjoying it and that to me it's that's amazing i mean that's i grew up i fell in love with watching uh, a series through the wire through someone yeah. giving me someone giving me a box set of yeah. The Wire, being, being in awe of this, being in awe of all the actors in it. And obviously, then I got lucky enough to work with Aidan. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I am surprised, but at the same time now, uh, having done it and known the strength of it and, you know, how much it just impacted people in, in Ireland, uh, it's 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 kind of very... There's a massive element of pride to it, but also you kind of aren't surprised how it's still around. You know, the writing was so strong. The characters were so strong. um, Everything about it was just, it was a perfect symmetry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Continued success, Peter, and thanks a lot for chatting to me.
1: Thanks a million for your time, John.
2: Peter Kuhn in there talking to me about all sorts of things, but most importantly, his new movie, Dinion, which means stormy weather, which is out in cinemas, this Friday the 28th of January and a fine Irish movie it is too and it's Irish in the sense of it's in Irish but it's also an Irish production up next Norma Sheehan on her favourite movie that stage of the week, where we talk to someone well known about their favorite movie. Norma Sheehan is an actress and comedian who's been on our TV screens and indeed cinema screens for nearly 20 years now. Movie roles include things like Undine, TV roles include Moon Boy, The Clinic, and also Demo and Ivor. She's currently on a nationwide tour, including all 32 counties of her show, well not her show but she's the star in it, Shirley Valentine of the much loved stage show and of course a movie from the 80s if I'm not mistaken. Without further
3: ado, hello Norma, how are you? Hiya John, thanks for having me.
2: My pleasure. We'll get to Shirley Valentine in a while but ostensibly you're here to talk about your favourite movie which I think came to you straight away when I asked you, will you tell our listeners what it is and why?
3: Yeah, I, I just I'm not I, I this one has a very, very, you know, you need an imagination for this one. But I'm not a fan of like the Marvels and all those kind of ones. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to say. But then someone said, well, this particular film, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is all about imagination. But I guess it's it's some way based in reality it just caught me as a child we had the video of it at home um, and now we only had a few videos so I probably watched it 100 200 times I would know the words of most of it I would know the lyrics of the songs um it's just it just really touched me as a child I just thought the message at the end when 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 like Charlie Bucket gives back that everlasting god stopper instead of selling it to Slugworth. Um, it just it just is just beautiful when you see that in a child, uh, you know, the kindness.
2: Absolutely. So,
3: yeah.
2: I, you know, this is about you, but I've said not so long ago on this station that one of my favourite ending lines of all movies is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate where He says, don't forget whatever happened to the boy who got everything he ever wanted. He lived happily ever after. It's just the most gorgeous ending after he hands the sweet back.
0: Yeah,
3: that's so true. And previously to that, he's going, you get nothing, you mm-hmm. get nothing. Because he, he thinks they've broken the rules and they're, they're going to keep the gobstopper. I mean, we've really jumped to the end for anyone who hasn't seen us. <laughs> um, we've ruined We have a bit. And absolutely ruined, but it's from the 60s. So if you haven't seen it, and actually if you're young and you're out there, Oh, it's just gorgeous. It's better than the Johnny Depp one. I'm sorry. The Gene Wilder one is just so much better.
2: Just remind people really quickly what it's about. uh, Top line stuff. In case there are younger people who who don't know what all the fuss is about.
3: Yeah. And and sorry, actually, before I totally slammed the Johnny Depp one, David Kelly, the um, passed away, but he's an Irish actor. and He played Grandpa Joe in the second one. And
2: did very well in it, I thought. He
3: was the best thing in it. Sorry. Um, But back to the first one. So... And um, there's this town and uh, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka, has this chocolate factory. But everyone, it's a mystery. It's on the hill. And, you know, it's, it's like Cadbury's, whatever. They put out wonderful chocolate. But he announces that he's going to put out five golden tickets in Willy Wonka chocolate bars. And whoever gets the five golden tickets can visit the factory. So um, you can bring in one relative. So Charlie ends up getting one. He's the last, of course. And he brings his uh, grandpa, Joe. And the other ones are Mike TV uh Veruca Salt, who's a wonderful character, she's such a wagon, and then there's <laughs> Violet and Augustus Loop then is the is the, the, the gluttonous and um, kind of I suppose selfish kid or whatever. And uh they they these five kids get taken into the factory and it's just mm. I mean there's a song Take a Look I can't sing on the radio Take a look and you'll see it's a world of pure imagination.
2: Yeah. Living
3: there you'll be free if you truly wish to be and the kids go around this like they can oh there's Oompa Loompas in there there's Chocolate Rivers there's just it blew my brains because now you've got special effects but back then they were making all these things with godly nose props and uh just each kid dropped off by breaking a rule um one of them wanted go a golden egg i want i want a golden egg and she fell into the chickens mike tv wanted everything and he ended up being shrunk augusta sloop trying to drink the whole chocolate river and violet i don't know she took something she wasn't meant to take and she blew up so I was left with Charlie and he, of course, went took the flying bubbles and got nearly got thrown out, except he gave back the, the, the Gobstopper. And uh, yeah, I just, oh my God, I'd actually go watch it again now.
2: Yeah, well, listen, i let you go soon. Don't worry, you can sit down. Listen, you have three children like myself and I watched it with my three kids. I've seen it a few times, but we watched it again this Christmas one evening. How have your family, your kids taken to it? Because I, I find, you know, when you, there's a movie you adore, it can... It'd be strange showing it to your own children because you're almost upset if they don't like it. But I presume you have shown it to your kids.
3: Yeah, mine are because because actually I remember there was bits I was afraid of. They go through a dark tunnel in one of the mm. boats, and I was there was Slugworth's face. He freaked me out, you know, down the dark alleys, scaring the kids. Um, but. So there was a dark side. So I had to watch it. You do have to watch it a few times. My kids have loved it. Now, they're a bit older. They're 11, 14 and 14. So they've probably watched it a few times. And, you know, they would. But for a very young child, it could be a bit scary. But that's, that's part of it.
2: Absolutely, that's part of it. Well, is it a wonderful choice and no argument for me. Now, talking of movies from a while ago, I remember again being, I guess, an older kid, but not quite a teenager, and hearing about this movie, Shirley Valentine. And even as a child, I understood that it had something to do with a woman not being happy, and she was going to go away. And then I was horrified to hear she was going to have sex for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in Greece. And it was wonderful. And fast forward all these years, you're now doing a stage show of this because it was originally based on the Willie Russell stage show and it was highly successful in the Gaity last year and you're now going round the country all over Ireland as I say 32 counties so is this
3: you and you alone? This is me and me alone I'm doing Shirley and the Gaity are even having us back again in March 29th so for a week so get your tickets there. But we're also doing every county in Ireland, um, which is just I, I just can't wait. Now there's about I think there's about 15 counties on sale so far, maybe more actually. Um, but the rest are gonna come online. Uh what is it, CityTheatreDublin.com Theatre will have them all. But um basically the biggest theatre in your county will have it because the set's a bit big. But it's me being Shirley Valentine and she won loads of awards, Tony Awards, Pauline Collins did doing it back in the day. Mm. It's just I'm so glad that I didn't miss the boat and get too old to play the part. I'm perfect. I'm kind of like her in that. I've been talking to the wall. Well, I've been talking to the choir for the last two years and we've all been going a bit loop the loop. And um, it's just a laugh, but it's got depth to it. It's about kind of the teenagers treating her like rubbish. She's lost her purpose. She's feeling down about all this unused life. And she's going, I used to be Shirley Valentine. You know, I used to jump off my roof for fun. And now I get Vertigo standing on the pavement and she's like, (laughs) my life is a sin. All this hopes and dreams I had and I've used none of it. And she believes that that's what kills us in the end is all the unused life. So she's, she's adamant to, she says, I'm not going to go down in history. Well, she has, I'm not going to go down in history, but like I'm there. I'm I'm there in the time I'm in,
0: I'm alive. Mm.
3: And even when he says, uh, come back here and stop your holiday romance, you're making a fool of yourself. She's like, Joe, the only holiday romance I'm having is with myself. Yeah. And I yeah. like myself. So Lovely. it's beautiful. It's just beautiful from start yeah, to end. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful
2: words. You know, I'm always very impressed by someone who can go on a stage and do it all by themselves for the, the, the two hours or the 90 minutes or whatever length this production is, is it? I know you're an actress, so you know it's the gig. But is is it nerve wracking not to have? You know, I know there's lighting guys and all that, but but not to have a cast with you.
3: Yeah, there was a moment in the gate, you know, back in October, and we 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 did fill out the sixty percent at the time that we were allowed, um. So it was very well run. But I I was like, I did go blank one, one night, and I just wandered over and slugged back the wine and wandered back to the chair, and I was like, and I thought to myself and I thought to myself <laughs> and then it just eventually came to me I juggled a few things around in my head and plowed on and sure they knew no different so it's about keeping your cool and you know what it's not brain surgery worst case scenario you have to go sorry lads I'm only human I have forgotten the mm. line and called to Sheila in the wings Gives a hand there <laughs> like, <you know. laughs> yeah so, true it's yeah but you, but you don't obviously you don't because that snaps everyone out of you know the the the, the story yeah. and uh, Willie Russell came on a zoom with me and uh helped oh me wow. to make it Irish yeah he's a friend of the director Uh the director's Michael, Colin, Michael Collins Michael, Michael Scott so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so he came on a zoom and he, he helped me Irishify it um, okay so yeah so it's not me 90 minutes talking in Liverpool it's uh it's it's Ireland and he's very happy with that he's coming over to see it so
2: So, you know, this was good to have work in a lockdown. How was the last two years for you? I I tend to ask everyone who I talked to on this show because it's an arts programme ostensibly and it's been a tough time for the arts and the entertainment business. So how was your last two years, Shirley Valentine notwithstanding?
3: I mean, I was a bit of a I was really trying to reinvent myself on a daily basis because I had a stand-up tour, Heal Your Hole with Norma Sheehan, got pulled with COVID, turned it into a podcast, trained myself up as a kind of a a useless sound engineer, turned my car into a studio and did voiceovers and podcasts of of the Healer Hole thing. I did 76 episodes and kept doing voiceovers in the car and in the cupboard for the government until then studios were back front line. So I was able to go back into Bagot Street. But like, just keep reinventing myself and I was trying to write things and um, we got to do the odd bit of performance. Um, there was a bit of Healer Hole and then Shirley came around and we did live streaming performances and I did filming on on um the holding that's the graham norton one, yes with of disney and a bit of the one with jane jane seymour and um um there was an element one so tipping along but god almighty i just found the homeschooling torture i found the boredom at times excruciating i used to go stand in queues at supermarkets to chat to people like at a two meter distance and then i wouldn't even go in because it would be my third supermarket of the day just to talk to people i was yeah. literally climbing the walls like charlie yeah
2: Wow! And tell me this—we don't have a huge amount of time left, but you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. But that is a great title: "Heal Your Hole." What's what do you do on that podcast?
3: Oh, sure, I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I I stopped it in October when I started Shirley because my right. brain needed to just consume yeah. her. But um, like one episode is um turkeys holes and it's with Dustin. Another one is um pregnancy hole with 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 Amy Hooperman, which was having her last baby, or Mario Rosenstock did funny hole and okay. in, in, you know Blondie Coffee did leaky hole about the bladder and they're just some of them are some of them are quite serious but some mm. of them are just uh, shockingly funny like filthy and yeah. they are all out there if people want to listen back presumably yeah I think they're still there Heal Your Hole with Norma Sheehan they're on all the Spotify's and Apple's and all those places yeah. sounds good to me
2: and then finally finally let's help you pack out those theatres so if people want to find out more where they can see Shirley Valentine where should they go
3: yeah well Gaiety Theatre obviously has the Gaiety run yeah. and then you're thinking you're looking at the Opera House hasn't gone on sale in Cork yet but then there's Glowar there's um, Common Arts Centre Hawkswell Sligo Dreacht Moat and Nice Mermaid pavilion um, so all, check I, check all your counties for your big theatres like you said yeah, yeah Watergate and Kilkenny like yeah it's the big theatre and everything or you can go to citytheatredublin.com super Well, her
2: favourite movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original, let's make that clear. She is literally coming to a stage near you. People say that often, but it's certainly true with her one-woman show, Shirley Valentine, which is going gangbusters, it seems, and has the approval and the Irish rewrite of its creator, Willie Russell. Nora Sheehan, thank you so much for chatting. You're very kind thanks. So who can I trust to run the factory when I leave and take care of the Oompa Loompas for me? Not a grown-up grown-up would want to do everything his own way not mine that's why I decided a long time ago that I had to find a child a very honest loving child to whom I can tell all my most precious candy-making secrets
1: and that's why you sent out the golden tickets that's
2: right so the factory is yours Charlie you can move in immediately and me absolutely
1: what happens to
2: the, the rest whole of... family
0: I want you to bring them all
1: Charlie, don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. What happened?
3: He lived happily ever after.
2: One of my favourite closing moments in any movie ever. Uh, just absolutely delightful. I've played that clip for you before, but when Norma chose Willy Wonka, that's where my head straight went to. And my thanks to Norma Sheehan, who chose that as her favourite movie. And... Uh, She will be, as I said, touring the country very extensively with Shirley Valentine. That's it for this week. What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? Oh, yes, there is an incredible new documentary on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler, which will be out next Wednesday. And I'm talking to the makers of that. And loads more besides. Just remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5 p.m. on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6 p.m., right here on News Talk. If you want to get in touch with me at any stage, please do so. You can tweet me, John underscore or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and take care.